Today, in all parts of the world, we have both the New Testament Church and the Apostate Church of Antichrist. The New Testament Church are those churches that diligently follow all scripture of the New Testament Bible. The New Testament Church are those people who have been born again by the Spirit of God speaking to them and showing them God the Father and Jesus. And also, the Holy Spirit lives in each person who is chosen by God and who has God revealed directly to him. And God gives the New Testament church a new heart and a new spirit to dwell within each individual. When we are born again, we are changed by God from that person which we had been before. And now we have the Spirit of God in us, and we have a new heart. So we're totally different from the person we once were. That is the real New Testament church. But there is another church today, often sitting among those who have been born again, there are individuals who have not been born again. They try to follow some type of spirit or they try to follow things of men, things men say, or they copy other men that they feel to be religious, but they do not have the spirit of God. This is the apostate church. They often change the scriptures. For example, Matthew 5.32, Jesus said, The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Many churches have changed that scripture because it doesn't make sense to their natural mind. So they permit men to marry divorced women and they perform the ceremonies right there in the church. And people rejoice over it when it's adultery, according to Jesus, Matthew 5.32. That is just one example of the apostate church today. They also set up many religious idols inside their churches. Crosses, wooden crosses, crosses made out of gold, things that they bowed down before. If you can see something with your natural eye and it makes you feel special or religious, that is an idol. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4. She said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh 
when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye know not what ye worship. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, says Jesus, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're trying to worship God, and you are worshiping him through bowing down to something that you can see with your natural eye, that is an idol, a religious idol, and you are failing to worship God in spirit and in truth. People often wear crosses around their neck or medallions around their neck, religious medallions. It's sort of for luck. I know the Catholics have a religious medallion called St. Christopher, and he's supposed to protect them in travel. I had a Catholic friend who put one of those St. Christopher medallions on her passenger sun visor. If you are doing something like that or trusting in that type of thing to protect you, you have turned from God, who is a spirit, and you've turned to an idol made by man. If you can see the object with your natural eye and you feel There's something religious about it, or it makes you feel spiritual when you touch it, or it makes you feel fortunate and lucky or protected. You are worshiping an idol. They who worship God worship him in spirit. You don't see anything, and in truth. I have often seen World War II movies where before the men go into battle, Someone is standing before them wearing a collar who presents himself as some form of minister, and they're often down on their knees, and you will see one of the soldiers reach up and take hold of the medallion that's around his neck and rub it. And you just shudder because you know he is not worshiping God in spirit and in truth, but it's some type of an idol that he has put his trust in. If you can see the object with your natural eye, it's an idol. If it makes you feel spiritual, like stained glass windows, some people feel spiritual when they look at stained glass windows. This is a false god. This is an idol. I attended a luncheon at Texas Tech University when I lived in Lubbock. The luncheon was downtown Lubbock on about the fifth floor of a building. I was seated at a table with four or five other people. This woman looked out the window and pointed down to the church building that was on the corner across from where we were. And she said, that is my church. And I said, we are the church. 
and she was shocked. She said, I'm not a church. That's the church, pointing at the church building. And I said, we are the church. And she just became furious. This woman was worshiping a building made by human hands. No doubt she worshipped her pastor, who is flesh and blood. Anything you can see with your natural eye, you have made into a religious idol when it represents something religious to you. Those who worship God, they don't worship him by looking at some type of cross or idol. They worship God wherever they are, day and night, 24 hours a day, as they consider what God has done. So Jesus says to this woman at the well, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verses 23-24. Moses saw him who is invisible, and he endured because he saw him who is invisible. Hebrews chapter 11, start at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. There is an Old Testament example of a prophet, and his servant was with him, and he was being chased by the enemy, the king, and the servant of the prophet was very frightened. And the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he can see and show him that greater is he that's with us and he that's with the king. And God opened the eyes of the servant and all of a sudden he saw chariots of fire all around the prophet and himself. And he knew then that they would win and be victorious over the evil king who was trying to kill them. We have to see the invisible. Now concerning Antichrist, the first time I ever heard of Antichrist was at Word of Faith Church, which I was attending at that time. The women were talking about Antichrist, and I said, what's that? And they said, oh, well, he comes in the end time, and uh, there'll be Antichrist, and some people think that Antichrist was Napoleon, or some people think that Antichrist was Henry Kissinger, one of the government men back in the time. But in the Bible, we are shown that Antichrist was already in the church 
at the time of the apostle John. John said in 1 John 2, 18, 19, he was speaking to his church group, and he said, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time. John went on to explain that these Antichrist people thought they were Christians. They came to the church group, but they didn't stay there. They only stayed a while, and then they left the real church group. And John says in verse 19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But there were many Antichrists in the churches in the days of Paul and John. Paul, talking to the elders at Ephesus, said, Acts 20, verses 29 and 30, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. And this is the way all these denominations were set up. What the denominations do is divide the body of Christ. One says I'm Methodist, the other says I'm Baptist, the other says I'm Church of Christ. And immediately they divide the body of Christ. Well, Antichrist has set these denominations up by his own will. They don't follow all of these things in the New Testament Bible, but rather they follow the things that make sense to their natural mind. And many doctrines that are spoken in the New Testament Bible are completely eliminated. They are never spoken in those churches. And also, what they have done is completely explain away and change verses of Scripture. This is Antichrist. This is the apostasy of the end-time church. It has been going on since the time of the apostles John and Paul. The end times technically began with the resurrection of Jesus into heaven when the New Testament church began. Concerning denominations, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, Are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? This is like one saying Baptist and the other saying Methodist. All this brings division to the body of Christ. 
Those of us who are born again have been given one heart and one spirit, which is of God. There's one church, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, Ephesians 4. But when all these different doctrines, there are doctrines not set forth in the New Testament Bible, bring division. We as Christians identify ourselves as Christians, not as Methodist or Baptist or Catholic. That's going to divide you immediately from the body of Christ. We identify ourselves as Christians. Christians follow the doctrines set forth in the New Testament Bible, and they don't pick and choose, eliminating certain scriptures. The scriptures show us the way of God and the will of God and show us how to set up the church. If you want to read how to set up the church, it's of 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 26. You won't find any church group set up like that that I know of today. It says, How is it, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. It was set up so that God was free to speak through whom he willed. It didn't have a platform to separate the ministers from the people of God. It was more like a home church meeting. There were no barriers to say, we are the approved speakers and you are not. I have often thought when I've attended a church meeting today, if Jesus Christ came there that day, he would not be permitted to speak because he would not have been approved beforehand by the leaders of that church group. When we speak and share what God has done, you know whether or not we are of God. It is not a matter of keeping only the approved people speaking. It is freeing the congregation for God to speak through whom he wills. It's just not set up that way today. And it's very sad because it's exciting when it is freed where God can speak in the congregation through whom he wills. Now, I've seen Sunday school classes set up that way where the teacher would say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And people were free to share dreams, visions, whatever God had given them. But I have never seen that at the 11 o'clock service on a Sunday morning. It's more like a pre-planned program. They do certain music and it's all planned ahead of time and rehearsed ahead of time. And the preacher usually has a sermon prepared ahead of time, and it's all planned. It's a ritual, really, of man. They used to have a service on Wednesday nights where people gave testimonies, and that was very exciting. But I haven't come across one of those meetings in a long time. 
Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting at verse 26, shows you how the church is supposed to be structured. Ephesians 4, verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, and even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So we have today the church that is the real church born again, chosen by God, set up by the Holy Bible, without eliminating any scripture. Then we have another church that has an appearance of religion, but they have changed scriptures to make it more palatable approving man so they can have more people come to church and feel approved in their sins. There can be turning from sin. God can reach a person wherever he is. But for the most part, we are saved when we recognize that what we are doing is a sin. On August 5th, 1975, I was reading a book about sin. And God spoke to me and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. Uh, I was stunned. I was shocked. I gasped. And I said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. I was instantly born again given a new heart and a new spirit. And after that happened to me, I really no longer wanted to be around the people that I had been around before. I wanted to be at church. I wanted to be around the Christians. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to be in prayer group after that happened. I was changed completely, born again. So there are the sheep and the goats sometimes sitting together in a church meeting. When Jesus comes, he will separate the sheep from the goats, and he will take the sheep, the ones who are born again, who really belong to him. He will take them into heaven, into the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness that God has set up for his people. Jesus will, at his coming, remove the real church and take them into heaven, but he will destroy the idols, the religious idols, and the people who have followed Antichrist. You can read that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.